Hello, this is the Kevin Power Podcast Hour, and I'm really excited to have with me the voice of the New York Yankees, the host of Center Stage on the Yes Network, and the host of the daily radio show on ESPN Radio and simulcast on Yes, the Michael K Show. Michael K, thank you so much for being with me, Michael. You got it, Kevin. So, uh, what's your opinion on the uh, Hall of Fame voting going on right now? Well, uh, you know, it, it's a tough call, especially with the PED users or guys that were suspected of it. Uh, I guess it's everybody's individual thought whether or not they want to uh, give those guys the votes, but you see a great uh, jump in votes for Clemens and Bonds. Uh, they had started slowly. They remained on the ballot. and uh, You know, they're closing in, and uh, it would seem to be that they're going to get in in two years. But uh, I guess a lot of the writers changed their minds when Bud Selig, who was the commissioner of baseball during that time, he got elected into the Hall of Fame. So they thought, well, if the guy that was overseeing it all is going to go in, then why shouldn't these players go in? I don't know if there's a real connection to it, but uh, that's certainly the biggest uh, debate, I guess, now in the Hall of Fame on whether or not the PED suspected guy should get in. Well, Selig's big argument was the players' union prevented him from doing anything, right? Well, that was one of his arguments. Uh, another one was he wasn't quite sure what was going on. Uh, you know, nobody could get into his head. One thing that you do know is that when the PEDs were being used, um, baseball saw a, a burst in popularity because of all the home runs being hit. So everybody was making money, the players and the and the owners. But whether or not he knew, uh, that's between uh, you know Bud Selig and his conscience. I, I couldn't tell you whether he knew. So what's your opinion? Do you think they should be let in? Well, uh, I have a fuzzy line that I draw. I think that if somebody who failed the test should not get in. So they knew the rules and they still did it, like Rafael Palmero and Manny Ramirez. They should not get in. Uh, I think it's a little bit blurrier when you have Bonds and Clemens who never failed the test. And even A-Rod, who was suspended for PDUs but never failed a test while the testing was done in terms of, uh, of getting suspended. So uh, I guess I would draw the line. If I had a vote on whether or not a guy failed the test while the testing was in place and there was suspension in order as well, so Palmero and Ramirez would not get my votes. I would probably, I would probably vote in uh, you know, Clemens and Bonds, and it would be a tough call on A Rod because he did get suspended a year. That's a good point. Uh, I actually had Joe Buck on my show a few weeks ago, and he uh, called you one of his favorite interviewers. You know, he put that in his book, Kevin, and I was, I was quite flattered. It was really nice. We had a good time when the, we, we did him on, on center stage. But, uh, you know, I was just reading his book because we were going to have him on my radio show. And I just wanted to be prepared. And then, like, toward the end of the book, he made that statement. He also said that he liked Artie Lang as an interviewer as well. So I'm a good company. <laughs> uh, but he said uh, his opinion on the Hall of Fame was let them all in. Because you can never know who really did it and if it's not going on still, you know? Well, I think that's a really strong point because uh, there are guys that have slipped through the cracks. I would guarantee you, Kevin, that in the Hall of Fame right now there are guys that use PEDs. But you know, people think of PED users as big, bulky guys like Jose Canseco. That's not the case. I mean, you can actually be really lean, and what PEDs allow you to do is to work through injuries and things like that. And uh, that 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 that's the truest case of all. You know, it, unless you have hard proof, and that's why I say the failed test is hard proof. How could you say for sure that guys that you've already voted in were not PED users? That's that's a real trap there for everybody because so many, I, I think Canseco's book said that 75% of the players are using and I'm not sure that that's that far off. Yeah, D. Gordon doesn't quite look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know? No, absolutely, absolutely. You just never know. You, I mean, you could look at a guy, 
And you know, do they pass the eye test? Yeah, but it doesn't mean they pass the test. But what about, do you think back in the day there's so many uh, rumors that they had their own concocted steroids, they were using amphetamines, so don't you think every era kind of had their own performance enhancing or do you not even put it in the same category? Well, I put amphetamines uh, in the category of performance enhancing and, you know, I've heard stories in the old days that, you know, they were out on, you know, the lunch table in the middle of the, the clubhouse like M&M's and we could see the drop off that players had now. They can't, they, most players can't play 162 games because it's hard to play a day game after a night game if you're not artificially stimulated. So, for sure, I feel that amphetamines um, were performance enhancers and it does bother me when some of the guys in the Hall of Fame go, well, if any of these steroid guys get in, you know, I'm, I'm never going to show up at the Hall of Fame again. I would say get off your high horse because I'm sure that in every single era, there's something that was done that wasn't it wasn't quite kosher. So, uh, you know, people have to look at themselves in the mirror when they take these stands like that. I, I'm just not sure that there's a whole generation of players that took you know steroid, uh, took amphetamines and they look down upon people that take steroids. I think that. Anybody who has a chance to better their performance and make more money and put bigger numbers up on the board, it's a very, very hard decision. For those of us that sit here and, and go, well, I would never do it, you really don't know. I mean, it, I mean, there's guys that would be career minor leaguers that if they do it, maybe they make the major leagues. You can't tell me that they wouldn't think about it. But the penalties are harsher now. So uh, they're still not harsh enough for people not to do it, though, Kevin, because if you look at it, people still, still get suspended because the reward is too great not to take the chance. Yeah, yeah. Um, to uh, switch it up a little bit, I love your interviewing. I love center stage. So what do you do when an interview is just tanking? Like, not to name names, but that Jeremy Piven, that, that just seemed like awkward. What do you do? You, you just got to plow through. You know, you got to put an hour on tape. Um, you know, Piven was, at the beginning, he was tough. Uh, because we asked him a question that I think he took the wrong way. And then you almost had to play back into his confidence. And I think it got better in the middle. But, um, you know, there, there, are, there are some that just aren't good. But, I mean, you can't, you can't put the cards down and say that's going to do it. So um, there's really been only one real stinker that I wish I could have back. And um, I don't know why his name is, uh, is escaping me now. But the guy that was, uh, I was married to Meg Ryan. Dennis Quaid? Dennis, yeah, Dennis Quaid. Yep. He was awful. Yeah, he didn't want to be there. I don't think he got the whole uh, process of, you know, he's going to have to sit there for an hour and a half. And, uh, you know, this was when, uh, right on the heels of Meg Ryan, supposedly having an affair with Russell Crowe, and, you know, he had all of his publicists there, and we were told that if we asked that question, that they were going to take, take him off the stage. And I told my bosses, I said, let's ask the question, keep the cameras rolling as he walks up the stage. But they didn't want to do it. We were kind of in, in our infancy with the show, and, you know, it's a very small fraternity, and if you, if you burn one guest like that, then other publicists won't put their people on. So you got to play the political game. But that was that was. Uh, I think we've done over two hundred shows. That that was the one uh, I wish that we had not done. I hear you. Do you? Um, so when you go through your your questioning process and you're doing your prep, do you have to run your questions by these people? Do you run them by your no. producers? Okay, okay. Do you, do you my, run them by anybody? The only person that ever asked for the questions was Bill Parcells. Okay. You know, he, he wanted the questions for hit and run. 
because he didn't want to look bad, and we just told him that you know we don't we don't really give the questions out, you know, because I don't I think if you give the questions out, you're not going to get the real honest answer. You're not going to get the the, the 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 thing that's really off the top of their head. They're gonna they're gonna run it through the rinse cycle and spin it and all that. So I never want to give them the questions. What we do, the process of the, the interview is that when we book somebody, my producer uh, and his staff will send me about I don't know 700 pages of research. So I read all that. Uh, the producer will put questions in the order that he thinks. I'll go over it. I'll mix and match and might switch things up. And uh, I'm free to go off anything that's on the cards because if people are nice enough to compliment me as an interview, interviewer, the one thing is I, I kind of listen. So when somebody's answering a question, if I have another question next, but you know he just said something, he or she said something outrageous, I'm going to follow up on that. So I have that freedom. The card is just you know works as a template for where we want to go and. You know, we might have things to roll in or statistics or stuff like that. But uh, you know, the producers on the show do a great job. They, they make sure I'm prepared. And I, 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 I kind of go by um, the credo of you really shouldn't ask any question that you don't know the answer to. You should know the answer. Now, if they give you something that wasn't in the research, well, that's great. Then you have to follow up on it. But you should have the answers to all the questions that you're going to ask. You should know what they're going to say. That's how, that's how prepared you should be. You shouldn't be shocked when you're interviewing somebody. So would that be your, your one word of advice to someone to give a good interview? No, my one word of advice would be to be listen. Listen. I mean, you, you have to listen. I mean, you, there, there are some big-time interviewers at the network level that you know they're not listening. They're just thinking about what the next question is going to be. And, and, you know, it, it could be a guy could say, yeah, you know, I remember that time. And also I, I, then, I, I then ran over a family of five with my truck as I was going home. And... You know, the, the, the interviewer didn't even hear what he said. He said well, tell me about, you know, the, 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 you know, the time you lost 40 pounds. I mean, you've, you've got to be able to listen to the question. And uh, I think that's the most important thing. Listen, listen, listen. And, you know, don't be so, so much of a slave to the questions you have prepared to ask because there could be a better question that you never even thought of coming off an answer that he or she just gave. Um, last year, not to throw him under the bus, but it could be indicative of his uh, maturity. Odell, that was tough last year. Yeah, the uh, yeah we had a weekly segment with him on the show, and it was awful. It, it just every week it was bad, and it seemed like it was pulling teeth. And you know, sometimes these weekly interviews, you, you know, he he got paid for that, and I, I just felt that that we did not get a fair value for what we paid him. And uh, when I was asked during this off season, do you want him again? I said to myself, you know what, he's probably the biggest football star in New York, but it's not worth it. It's just because he's a big name, you know, people would say this is a terrible interview, a terrible interview. And it was. So I, I said, you know, save the money, spend it on something else. It's just, it's not worth it, even though he's a big name. And we had Eli for the first eight years of his career. He was great. I mean, even though he's like kind of dead dead, he tells you stuff. But Odell didn't come to play at all. You couldn't have fun with him. He didn't give you good answers. It was, it was dreadful. So... I mean, sometimes you can be the best interviewer in the world. If the guy and or the gal doesn't want to play, then it's going to be bad. All right, two quick questions on the Knicks. Um, what can Phil do with Melo if he doesn't accept the trade? And do you think Hornacek has a reset of the locker room, given the Rose MIA, the Courtney Lee tweets out a picture of Dumb and Dumber referring to Hornacek and Rambis? It just seems like he doesn't have a locker room, right? Well, I mean, he could be on the precipice of losing it. I mean, losing does that. Uh, and this is the guy's first year with them, so you wonder whether or not he'll he'll lose the locker room completely. That's something that he has to watch. You know, there's certainly been signs of it. The other day, he was yelling at Rose, and 
Rose yelled back at him during the game uh, against the Hawks, and you know, he took out uh, Kyle Quinn, who stared him down. You know, th- those aren't good signs, but I think that that all comes hand in hand with losing. In terms of like, well, what can Phil do? I mean, Phil could do his job. You know, if Melo doesn't want to leave, and it's it's his right, he negotiated that right. He doesn't want to be traded. It's incumbent upon Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson put players around him that will be able to, you know, uh, take advantage of his, his his positives and cover up his negatives. I just don't think Phil's put together a real good roster. They don't play defense. Uh, I, I think. <laughs> I mean, Melo, I think, has done a really bad job this year. He's, he's not the same player. There's actually a drop in his physical prowess. He's 32 years old. That's normal. I think that Phil's done an awful job. I put most of the blame on Phil Jackson. 17 wins, 34 wins, and a chance again not to make the playoffs. And every single year, he said the team was built to make the playoffs. When you get Derrick Rose and you sign Joe Kim Noah, you're not building. You, you're trying to make the playoffs that year, and they've been dreadful since the middle of December. So... It's on him. Get better players. You know, get get a, get a better chemistry together. You don't don't just sit back and say, you know, I've got eleven rings. You have any rings as a president of a basketball operation. So to me, he's been a huge disappointment. I think if he had a better roster, he'd magically feel a lot better and end up on the bench. You mean Carmelo? No, Phil. I mean, you know what oh, I mean. If, oh, if Phil had a roster that could that could win a championship, I would agree with you. I've always said that, but this team's not not within five years of winning a championship. So he's not going to sully his – he doesn't care if – I guess he'll, he'll care a little bit if he sullies his image as an executive. He never had an image as an executive. But if he goes on the uh, the, the bench and, and, you know, they don't make the playoffs, then all of a sudden people go, mm, see, it was Jordan and Pippen and it was Kobe and Shaq. So I think he wants to keep his genius status intact. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, do you prefer doing a radio or TV interview? Uh, like, like interviewing somebody on radio or TV? Exactly. Uh, I, I don't have a preference. I mean, there's more to consider when you're doing something on TV. You know how you look. You know, you know the, the way you react to something. So now, you know, with the show simulcast, the radio show, everything is an interview um, on TV. But I actually think it's better and, and more personal if the person that you're interviewing is in the room. So in that sense, I would rather. Um, interview the person face-to-face, even if it's on just radio. But, you know, whether it's on TV or radio, that doesn't matter. Whether you have the person in the room, I think, does matter. Okay, my last two questions, and to steal one from you. Uh, did you ever want to punch an opponent in the mouth? I don't know if I have an opponent. I mean, there are people in this business I'd like to punch out. Uh, <laughs> I will I will keep them nameless. You know, the uh, you know the thing that you'll see in this business is that there's this arrogance and, and uh, condescending tones and you know, I was brought up, you never treat anybody the way uh, you would want to be treated. You know, I, I try to treat everybody with the same respect, whether they're on the air or not. You know, people that are on my radio show, I always tell Don McGregor, my co-host, you know, they're guests in our house. You know, you can ask them hard questions, but if you're rude to them, that's that's just wrong. So, yeah, there are certain people in the business I'd like to punch out. <laughs> and uh, why the Billy Joel sign-off? I like it. I'm a big Billy Joel fan, but why the same sign-off? I just, you know, I, I love Billy Joel, and I thought that that's a perfect way to end the show. And, uh, you know, nothing nothing uh, secretive to it, no uh, hidden message. I just said, wow, this is a pretty good way to end the show. He said, it's time to say goodbye. So uh, people do ask about it, and I, I don't know if there's many people out there that don't like Billy Joel. They might not, they, they might love him, but nobody doesn't like him. So I thought it was a, a good way to go. 
I agree. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for your time. You got it. Anytime. All right. I look forward to watching the show today, as always. All right. Be well. Bye. You too. Bye.